You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 222, Skindred. Hosted by Dan Terry. But at the same time, isn't that the way it should be? John Beatty. It could go to shit real fast if you don't have a competent vocalist to go over these things. And Joseph Wren. If we can have Sharknado, damn it, I can have sharks versus airplanes. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think the kids are right now, and proceed with caution... Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is John. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Discography Discussion. My name is Dan, with me is John and Joe. We're going to talk about some insane uh, reggae-influenced hard rock. Dare I say new metal, or is this another one of those episodes where we're going to be like, is this band new metal? Are they not? They, they, they definitely seem more new than not. But as we go further on, as, as we go further on, we might be in another, um, <clears throat> to quote Joe, a hybrid situation here. Don't call it dubcore, John. That's not a real genre. Oh, because, you know tech metal all that kind of shit like some of the other sub genres that get thrown around are real genres listen i'm not gonna let you talk that way about crabcore okay <laughs> <laughs> that's just where we're at right now okay i'm gonna go uh, ahead and put this band in new metal and say that's what they are it's just shocking to hear modern r&b influences in your new metal i don't think we've heard that before can you give me another example from ashes to new Nah, man. They, no one ever did it before them. Nobody <laughs> said it on my show. They, yeah, they absolutely told John with a straight face that uh, From Ashes to New is, in fact, the very first band to ever combine, combine hard rock guitars with R&B sensibilities. And yep. Yeah, and rapping. Uh, they're the only people that ever did it. And the fact that they said it was rapping and not, uh, not R&B influence, like right there should tell you everything that you need to know. Uh, so maybe one of these days we'll do a From Ashes to New episode. You know, we'll do it as part of our Pioneer series. Uh, is the tray going to be in that? No, absolutely. 100%. They, as, as we all know, they invented metalcore. Yeah. Well, before Dan decides to pioneer podcasting, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, twitch.tv forward slash discuss metal dan for all your game streaming and live recording needs so if you have an amazon echo or a google home you have no excuse ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast and it will we're also on facebook and on twitter at discuss metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews well we do love our five star reviews here on discography discussion uh, we love them so much, in fact, that uh, I, we like to read them on the show. And I'm going to read one for you guys right now uh, that we got just recently over there on Apple Podcasts. It says, uh, great show with great production. When I started listening to the pod to podcasts a few years back, I started I started with this show. And I didn't realize what a terrible choice it was to do so at the same t- or at the time. <laughs> I started I started sweating during this part. Uh, because I've started to listen to a number of other podcasts since then, and very few align with my interests and have the production quality of discography discussion. When Joe and Dan, with Joe and Dan being the nucleus of the show, and Jeff, Buddy, John, and a number of guests providing additional commentary, the show always delivers and makes me enjoy learning about bands and albums that I do and don't listen to. Keep up the good work. Dude, you're the nucleus of something. How do you feel about that? 
I feel positively charged. <laughs> Is that how a nucleus works? I don't, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. No, hold on. I'm thinking about atoms right now, and I should be thinking about cells. Eves? Cells you should have, be thinking about Eves. Cells have a have a have a nucleus. <laughs> well <right>? done, John. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I heard it. I just didn't dignify it with comment. On that note, but not on that note <laughs> at all. Uh, speaking of comments, over on Facebook, in reference to our Lincoln Park episode, Brett Duncan said this was a good discussion. I pretty much agreed with everything you said. Uh, One More Light had great lyrics, and I can't stand the music, but I can't stand the music. But I have been a huge fan of Linkin Park since 2003. Bought every album day one from Minutes to Midnight to Hunting Party. I enjoy you guys a lot. Now, please talk about Chevelle soon. That would be awesome. I wonder what's next. Yeah, I do wonder what's next. I, I Well, I think point number one is that we need to get to some other bands first. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think it's I think it's fine. Here's a here's a quick uh, mini episode. You stole a Deftones riff to get your big single, and then you uh, realize that Tool wasn't around and on the radio, so you stole their sound to get popular. There you go. Maybe their vocal sound. You know, we, we could probably talk for at least 10 minutes on, on Chevelle. Patreon. But it is not, but it is not this day. <laughs> uh, also over on Facebook, uh, in reference to our episode on him, uh, all right, I don't know how to pronounce, I don't know how to pronounce your name, so I apologize, but it's, I think it's uh, Pika Olilia. Olila. I'll allow if it. I didn't say the, if I didn't say it right, just just let me know. We're on Facebook. You can just you can just blow me up. Uh, was not expecting this, but happy it's here. Che- cheers from Finland. So we got a we got an actual uh, yeah Finnish uh, comment there, which is fantastic. And uh, Tyler Fleming just had to say, I've been waiting for this one. So contrary to what I thought going into doing a him episode, apparently there was massive demand for it. So uh, thanks, John. Thank you for that. <laughs> John Beatty saves the day. It's funny that like in our in some of those comments and so forth that uh, a lot of people I was really nervous because I was like, oh, man, this is such a me heavy episode. And even when I went back and listened to it, I was like, fuck, everyone's going to hate this. And to see the the pretty positive reaction was uh, was overwhelming on my side because I was like, does anyone care about this band? <laughs> right. We care, John. We all we care. care. Definitely. We definitely care. Uh, speaking of people that care, this we got an email directed directly at John, uh, which is um, it came from Rubber Duck, uh, and he says, "Hey, I'm not going to say anything about how it sounds, but it's out there." Uh, does oh, I'm sorry. The title of the email was, "Does John know of the Bluegrass Hymn Covers?" He goes, "I'm not going to say anything about how it sounds, but it's out there. It's called uh, Juicy Siren and the Groundbreakers, Heart of Grass." <laughs> so you know, make sure to. Check that out. We'll have to get your thoughts I at a later date. I think I found out about them. Uh, and if anyone's familiar with like this weird bluegrass uh, covers phenomenon. So like there's Hazy Dixie where it's all ACDC covers done in bluegrass style. That's amazing. Yep. So, yes, I am aware of it. It sounds it's sometimes interesting when you when you take music that sounds the way it does and then completely redo it in another genre. You're like, huh? It's like when you see like Slayer songs done on like banjos and shit, like and stuff like that, where you're like, I didn't think that would work, but it kind of does. Yeah. Well, he goes on to say, I'm from Finland and metal fans thought him were a girl's band at the time. <laughs> uh, Not wrong. We all listened to all the Gothenburg stuff. Uh, it was funny visiting the US and seeing hairy dudes with hardogram shirts after the band blew up. It's Bam's uh, fault. Blame Bam. It is Bam. It is Bam's fault. <laughs> uh, I still don't care for them much, but enjoyed the episode a lot. I could tell how much John likes the band because he kept saying the inter- interesting thing about this band is, and this kind of enthusiasm keeps me coming back. Some of my favorite episodes have been about bands I don't care for. 
hopefully he can he can get a few laughs out of the album i listen to you guys at work and it really helps pass the time thank you so well thank you for that email definitely and uh i appreciate that you uh like listening to us talk about bands that uh that you don't care for sometimes i have to talk about bands that i don't care for uh thankfully though that is not the case today <laughs> number one i want to explain the dancing for the video listeners I am totally listening to Skindred's version of Electric Avenue, and I do not apologize. Number two, I want to go back to the first comment where they were talking about how great the sound quality is. I feel like Dan just went right through that and didn't give it all the due that it deserves. You wanna you wanna give me some more on that one? There's there's just not there's just not enough uh, there's just not enough like room in that window for the ego to get any bigger. I can't help it. So. I can get closer to the camera. Does that help? Uh, oh no. <laughs> We're going, we're going pure Skindred here. So, Dan, tell me about Skindred. Well, Skindred, uh, if you didn't know, is a Welsh uh, heavy metal band from Newport, Wales. And uh, they started all the way back in 1998, uh, which actually makes, kind of, ma- makes a lot of sense uh, as far as their sound, uh, especially in 2000. Uh, they combine uh, reggae elements with uh, a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of rock, a little bit of new metal. And um, so you've, you honestly, the thing that the thing that struck me the most listening to Skindred was that, number one, I had not been listening to this band for very long, and I was completely blown away by how fun and upbeat their music was, because usually whenever we're talking about, uh, you know, hip hop influenced or reggae influenced bands, it's still super, super like teen angst, you know, sort of stuff. Skindred doesn't come across like that. Skindred is much more uh, refined uh, in their lyrical topics and in their presentation, where it sounds to me like they're more interested in just rocking out and everybody having a great time than they are necessarily telling you about how, you know, their mom told them that they couldn't have a new pair of Nikes when they were 17. What's the problem? Oh, I didn't say there was a problem. <laughs> I think it's perfectly fine. Skindred's been around uh, for, for quite a while. At least the uh, the band members themselves have been. Uh, most most specifically, their uh, vocalist Benji, who is uh, he's actually he was in another band uh, for several years called Dub War. And if I had had time, I was actually going to go back and listen to the Dub War discography and see uh, more or less how they compared to one another. It's always interesting to me. Uh, you know, are we talking like this is a band that wasn't really that great? I actually don't know what the answer is, and I'm going to probably check it out when I have some more free time. But I always like that kind of dynamic because you, you have to ask yourself, is this a, a Dez, Cold Chamber, Devil Driver situation? Like, was he in some very established band prior to uh, being in Skindred? And I just want to see what the evolution of his vocals were because he's just absolutely all over the place from from your from your expected, you know, uh, reggae type of like higher pitched, faster delivery. Uh, but then he'll also just belt a scream out there like like it's nothing <laughs> and uh, has actually has a very, very interesting melodic singing voice, which parallels another band. And I'll get into that later, that it was definitely a comparison I didn't think that I was going to have to make. But uh, I'm going to have to make it. And Here I think John are. also has some thoughts about that as well. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is the one and only time I've ever seen Skindred was when they opened for him. Because him <laughs> pretty much never brought bands. I mean, A, no band sounds like him, really. So it's like, who the fuck do you bring? What about um, her? 
that worked. Uh, her well, sounds actually, exactly like him. I was going to say, now there's there actually is like a pop artist named Her, which kind of threw me the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, someone can actually use that now. The joke <laughs> is not funny if you explain it, John. <laughs> oh, I thought that's what dads like to do, even though I'm not a dad. I'm quite a dad splainer. Are we ready to get into Babylon? 2002. I'm going to say Babylon because I like saying Babylon. Because P.O.D. said it. You got that right. <laughs> posers. Fucking San Diegan posers. <laughs> oh, right. But, well, yeah, and then this Welsh band totally is, you know. you know, I, I don't hear a lot of uh, a lot of uh, reggae bands come out of Wales. Could be wrong, but, you know, and they're like, too f- right now, right now, the Wales underground scene is downvoting this YouTube video into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, Babylon is is an interesting, and I say interesting because I, I'm just going to say it up front. I think it's their worst album. Uh, but at the same time, isn't that the way it should be? You know, a band's debut album maybe isn't quite uh, what it isn't quite what it would be uh, once the band actually has a little bit more experience under their belts. And I know Dude was in another band and everything, but um, I found Babylon to almost be a little bit too dated for my modern sensibilities, I guess. Uh, it didn't punch as hard as I thought Skindred was going to punch. Because you got to understand, in doing this show, people have been like, oh my god, Skindred for forever. Like, how come you guys haven't talked about Skindred? They're amazing. And uh, so whenever I checked Babylon out, I was a little bit kind of a little bit underwhelmed, but could kind of see where people were coming from. Because I haven't heard a band, any band besides P.O.D. really do the reggae plus new metal thing. And uh, I think they pulled it off really well. And it's funny because whenever I got to the beginning of Nobody and those harmonized vocals come in, I was like, oh, God, they're going to do a 311 thing for the entire rest of this discography. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised that the similarities to 311 are um, very, 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 very sparse. I mean, there's a little bit of it in the harmonization, but then, you know, can you really say a reggae-influenced clean vocal harmony is sounds like 311, or is it just a harmony? You know, I would have said Manu-chan or Wyclef Jean, but that's just me. <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, I like this one quite a bit, um, but it, it was absolutely not my favorite. I think the highlight song, and I think uh, most most listeners will agree with me, is the song "Nobody." That chorus is infectious. The "Nobody, nobody gets out alive." Yeah, like I, that was just uh, absolute gold. Um, and what I like about this, too, is that as clean as it sounds and as professional as it sounds, it does have a little bit more of an underground flair to it. Uh, it sounds like they were 100% in creative control, uh, and that's something that's going to continue with with this band's discography. Every element of this is what I'm here for when I'm listening to new Metal. The fact that we went full reggae is something that other bands would just hint at. I don't think anybody sits down and listens to reggae thinking it's going to be the most distorted intense riffs that they hear that day it's going to be a party it's going to be energy it's going to be just slow down and enjoy it but then you have bands like pod and that's probably the last time i'm going to mention them who put elements in the music but they don't make it the focus i'm with dan where the hell was i when this band put out these albums in the 2000s because this is something that was missing. I didn't know it was missing until I listened to Skindred, but now that I have it, I'm good to go. I feel like new metal has the full scope of all other influences covered, and we can move on to the next album. John, what do you think about this one? Um, you know, I agree with Dan. It kind of sounds a little bit more uh, underground on this record, but it's funny because, like, to me, I feel like this is an album where a lot more of its influences are like right on its sleeve. 
uh, but they're kind of hidden. So like, there's a song on this record uh, for Tears. Um, let me make sure that is what it's called. Yeah, Tears. For Fears? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so in the chorus melody, lyrically, they use Mariah Carey's Breakdown, which has Bone Thugs and Harmony on it as well. Um, not probably an obvious reference that people are going to pick up on and be like, you know what? I I really commend them for using a Mariah Carey sample. <laughs> but John, well, not everybody's it, damn it. No, nobody's you, John. Like no metal fans are sitting there being all like, I wonder, I, is that from a Mariah Carey song? Oh, I recognized it right away because I was like, as I was listening to it, I was like, why do I like? Because it was the first time I'd been listening to the album as a whole, let alone the song. But I already was kind of like, dun, 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 dun. and I was like, why do I know that? And then I was like, as it came back around, I was like, oh, fuck, man, that's Mariah Carey's Breakdown off of a Butterfly album. I was like, no wonder I recognize that. But I mean, like, I think that's kind of the thing is like it just showcases the the wide array of influences and and so forth that the band's bringing in so someone who may be into pop or have like more pop leanings like myself at times you're gonna find that little thing and be like oh that's really cool that they did that like you know it, it's not obvious and you probably won't know if someone doesn't point it out i think there's another song on this record that actually samples another song and i, I can't remember what it was um but i mean to me like the thing that like was kind of weird and i just can't get over it is it's like for as much as everyone always gives mike Patton uh just the heaping amount of praise for being so diverse with his lyrical and vocal abilities. This feels like basically a band that Mike Patton would be in. And at times, I think Benji sounds like Mike Patton. He also kind of sounds like some other people at, at different points in time. But I think largely the Mike Patton influence is there uh, where you just like can hear him going all over. And I think that that's kind of really what keeps me interested in this band. While it is interesting musically, it could go to shit real fast if you don't have a competent vocalist to go over these things. Um, and, you know, I agree with Dan. Nobody is a, is a good song to me. I like pressure, though. Uh, Start first is also kind of cool. There's just like a lot of like, I feel like this is going to definitely be a discography where I'm just going to kind of go like, this is fun. I enjoyed it. Next one, please. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I was at. I listened to these kind of in rapid fire mode. I listened to the discography about three times and uh, one of the biggest comparisons while we're talking about vocal comparisons is uh, he he enunciates a lot and his melodies are a lot like Claudio Sanchez from Coheed and Cambria. I was thought of weird. Block and 36 a little bit too. There's a little bit of that as well. Um, Mainly in the singing. And I can't, yeah, and I can't, uh, it's a weird comparison to make because it just kind of started, it's not that he sounds like Claudio Sanchez. I mean, he, nobody has that pitch, you know, but like, he, he, he the influences are compounding in this scenario. His vocal, his vocal, uh, his vocal delivery, his enunciation, his mel vocal melody is the word I'm looking for, uh, is very similar. But I mean, it's not a ripoff by any means. I think it's just one of those happy accidents because uh, I also uh, see the Coheed and Cambria episode, at also like Coheed and Cambria. So uh, I, I didn't have any kind of problems. And it was also kind of nice that he wasn't talking about like robots fighting robot clones in space, you know, or anything like that. So uh, I found this really, really, really fun because I've never seen a band have this many different sort of elements all blended together, but still sound as original as Skindred does. 2007 Roots Rock Riot. Oh, I thought that was going to go in a different direction with the whole Roots thing. Yeah. Bloody Roots. Yeah, definitely. Uh I like this record a lot, actually. Uh, this record, I felt, was stronger even than Babylon. Uh, and I think part of it is because Babylon had, again, you know, I know I just praised that the band has so many different influences uh, going into this blender. This seemed a lot more focused to me. 
the the hard rock elements were harder. The guitar tone is much is much deeper in this record. And they start kind of this this is where I think that maybe we're starting to uh, look at potential radio play. And uh, we're, we're, we're getting songs that are still 100% skindred in the style. But I think that they did dial the reggae back a little bit on this one and went for a more straight ahead, almost, I don't want to use the word 311, but almost kind of like that sort of hard rock, smooth sort of chorus uh, that you hear a lot of. And then, of course, obviously, he's screaming uh, on a lot of the parts. And it's weird for this record coming out in 2007, how much it sounds like something that would have come out in 2004. Um, and so it's it's unusual to see. Um, number one, it's unusual to see a band that sounds like this and has this many albums with this sound kind of post new metals heyday. I'm definitely glad that they stuck with it. The songs are better on this one, but it's also a little bit flatter in the production. I'm going to say that's par for the course for 2007, though, because... Everybody sounded a little bit flatter when they started mixing for digital, but this album still has that groove and that dissonant intensity that Skindred constantly puts back in the music. I wonder if this was approached from a more pure reggae side than a hybrid music side. I honestly don't know enough about the band to know whose idea this was to put these elements together. But again, I don't care. I am so glad that this band exists because it's a whole new spin on the new metal that I love already. <laughs> again, another weird maybe comparison, but as I was between this this record and the uh, this album, especially like State of Emergency and some of the other songs on it, I couldn't help but feel like no doubt you guys should have taken more of a cue from these guys on how to in- incorporate reggae style stuff and and blending of more rhythmic kind of stylings musically like this like they found a way to make it work and add heavy guitars over it and it's an example of like when no doubt put out rocksteady where you're like god this just doesn't work like even though i know you record like almost did a morning view thing where you went out to jamaica or whatever and recorded a whole fucking record and you tried to bring the essence of of that experience and put it on an album it felt forced and contrived what they do like doesn't and the other thing, too, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because I haven't had the time to really go through every lyric and kind of comb through them all. But I feel like on top of that, Benji also talks about important things, cultural things and political themes and so forth. That's that's another kind of harder thing to do where you're able to put a pop sense on something that's serious. And I feel like this is the first record really where I started noticing a little bit more thematically that there's some real serious shit kind of being talked about on these these albums. And it's kind of reflected a little bit on their album covers as well as we move forward, too. Um, but yeah, this is just fun. Um, like I said, State of Emergency's one destroyed the dance floor. Uh, I, I kept going back to uh, Rude Boy for Life. <laughs> um, oh, that one's great. Yeah, yeah. Rude Boy for Life. Yeah. So... Uh, this is uh, this is another one where it's like I do agree with Joe a little bit. I, I think it sounds a little bit flatter, although the I think I had read that they had re-released uh, the first Babylon three different times. And the one that I think is on almost every streaming platform was remixed or remastered by Howard Benson. So, of course, it's going to sound really good in comparison to probably whoever originally did this, because, I mean, you have one of the best to arguably do it. Uh, and then, who you know, not discrediting whoever did this record, but. It's just hard when you're going to like the cream of the crop, basically, on your first to remaster your first record. Welcome to 2021, John, where we will buy your remaster. See my album of the week. Right. 
The interesting thing too is that um, um, Babylon actually, not to go back to talking about Babylon, but that record actually um, was yeah, it was re-released a bunch of times, and it actually hit uh, radio. I think like again, it hit radio a second time, like several years after the release, which is something that you don't really like see Aerosmith. that often. Aerosmith yeah. with uh, Dream On wasn't a single at first, and then after they had singles. It got uh, picked back up and became a monster single after the fact. I'd almost be like, take that, you bitches. I knew these songs were good. Right. (laughs) Then again, we all know that that's a crapshoot anyway. I remember uh, Josie Scott from Saliva went on Howard Stern and sang that song from the Spider-Man movie with Chad Kroger. And they had the American Idol people on when that had just come out. And they're like, yeah, you know, I I remember all of them were like, yeah, I mean, you got like an OK voice, but like, you know, I, you're probably never going to have a career out of this or anything like that. And then they revealed like, <laughs> oh, by the way, he just won a Grammy for that fucking song that he just sang right. for you guys. And they're like, oh, and it's like, yeah, you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anybody want to explain the name of this uh, this this next album for me? Shark Bites and Dog Fights 2009. So I think because the funny thing about it was when I saw the album title at first, I was like, that's a fucking weird album name. Um, but I mean, dogfights usually, as you can see on the album cover, refer to, you know, when you're fighting uh, in air, like airplanes or fighter jets or whatever, like they're called dogfights for whatever reason. Um, the shark bites thing, I'm not entirely sure. The only thing I can think of. And then coincidentally, again, when looking at the album cover a little bit more, those old fighter jets that had like the shark face basically on the, the noses of the planes. It's the only thing I could come up with, um, but a lot of it is a, a very literal interpretation of the album cover. Um, but I don't necessarily, and this is kind of where I started paying attention initially more to some of the lyrics because I was like, maybe this is like talking about being, you know, especially like on the first one, stand for something. You know, they're talking about like cotton chain shackles on too tight, squirming for your life because you're gone and you lost your freedom. It's like okay, like you know, obviously ben, Benji is a APOC, a uh, person of color. Um, for those that don't know that acronym. And, you know, it comes from a different country and all that kind of stuff. So I could see it being a thing where, you know, he's talking about, you know, having to be in dogfights and so forth to overcome the oppression of growing up the way he did or in the environments that he did. And that basically those are the things that make you who you are and the experiences that you grow into or whatever. Um, And that's why I was saying, like, I'll probably go back when we're done with this episode and really dig into the lyrics a lot more and just kind of see if there's more narrative that I'm just kind of missing and like that some of these things like you know an album title correlating to an overall theme uh, might present itself a little bit more the more digging I do but that's on me Um, and you know I would love to hear feedback Uh, email us uh, comment on social media or whatever if you have the answer for that because that's the fun thing about doing this is sometimes we don't know everything and we can learn from all of you so uh, if you have more of an explanation all ears See, John, um, if you this- want to read into it, shark bites is like skateboarding, right? Like you destroyed your ankles with a skateboard. <laughs> it was my wrists for me <laughs> from falling. <laughs> but I'm looking at this album cover thinking this is a sci-fi B movie waiting to happen. If we can have Sharknado, damn it, I can have sharks versus airplanes. I'll be a happy guy. But the music is that skindred sound just continued. We're going to back off and be a little more hard rock in places, but it's still Skindred, dude. I can't say anything other than thank you for doing another cover of Electric Avenue, which I mentioned in the opening of the show for all the video watchers who are wondering, why is Joe just dancing? That's why. I was just a little bit, I mean, 
the Electric Avenue cover uh, taken out of the equation, but I was kind of surprised at how fast this record went. It wasn't as many songs as the last two. Uh, it felt very tight and compact, like, in, and I almost feel like that sort of was a a conscious effort to kind of get in and get out, um, not overstay the welcome, not kind of have any fat on the bone. And I, I kind of found myself coming back to this record a little bit more just because of how fast it went of a listening experience. Um, but I think it's it's kind of interesting because it's like, it, you know, Joe had kind of mentioned on the last one where it's like, oh, it's more of this. And I feel like each record kind of changes a little bit where it might be like, oh, like, you know, you're, Dan and I were talking this week about how there's sort of tropes at times where it's like, oh, here's like the one dub kind of sound or more like the Regatron kind of style song. And then like they kind of get a little bit more poppier in, in some instances or they get a little bit more heavier in some instances, like they're kind of expanding their range of what they've been doing. Um, and I feel like to me, like I feel like the hooks on this are just fucking huge, like musical hooks even are a lot bigger than they've been on the last two records. Like look at a song like Calling All Stations. Sorry. I was surprised at how quickly it was over. Uh, I remember because uh, I was doing something or whatever. And so whenever I realized that the, that the album had stopped, you know, at like 30 minutes, I was like, oh, God, did I just listen to an EP? Oh, you know, and I was like, no, no, there's there's a decent amount of songs here. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is the point of the discography. We're like, yeah, it's just more Skindred. And I think that that's one of the hard things about this is that like, I can't critically analyze it and say like, well, you know, here you can tell that there's a maturity, uh, you know, in the time signature and the uh, the overall production value because the producer, like I could, I could do all of that, but it's just, a, it's, a, it's a nice little 30 minute shot of Skindred and it's exactly what it needs to be. Um, I do enjoy that they sound more modern. Uh, you know, I like I, I enjoy that aspect of it immensely. And now, you know, some of the stuff I was complaining about about Babylon, about how stuff just didn't hit hard enough. We're, we're kind of in more modern music territory now. So the hard guitars are harder. The vocals are, are more harsh. Um, his delivery is getting better and better. His ability to belt out a chorus, a catchy hook is is better than I think most mainstream bands. Uh, and uh, so I can't this the Skindred's a band that I'm kind of like man I feel like they should have been bigger in the US but I also kind of understand why they weren't just because US audiences we weren't listening to stuff like this everything we were listening to right now you know what, what year is this 2009 so all we care about right now is like what Howard Jones is doing um, I still care about what Howard Jones is doing but uh, <laughs> you know it's just it's just one of those things where unfortunately this style of music uh, or maybe fortunately for them was very continued to be popular overseas uh forever uh but yeah i i really 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 enjoyed this record and um i feel like it was actually just the right length especially considering the the, the records we're going to get coming going forward you're never going to be disappointed in this band spoilers uh but it is definitely uh the downside to listening to it all in one shot is it all tends to blend together but it's not because they're a bad band it's just because uh, they were innovative on their first record. Therefore, they have not had to innovate much since their inception. There's a band that 311 fans will undoubtedly know that is local to us in St. Louis. I'm talking about The Urge. Play that fucking Urge shit. I don't know why we didn't know about this band in 2009 because this should have been huge locally. To have that new metal sound that our market just cannot let go. And by the way, dude can actually sing and perform at a high rate of speed. It's almost reggae influenced. I think this band would have fit in really well here. And again, I'm just upset that we didn't know about him sooner. 
I would go and see Skindred and the Urge right now. <laughs> like, absolutely. Steve, book that show, please. I mean, I'd go to any show right now. By the way, shout out to Josh Toomey, who says Howard Jones should replace every singer. Instant upgrade. To which I said, what about Bruce Dickinson? He said it wasn't a debate after that. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to get into... Uh, we're we're gonna get into how we feel about that on the Iron Maiden episode, so <laughs> you know, uh, he, you may not be happy with the results. So that's just a little preview for you. Oh, oh back no. to Skindred. Are we ready for Union Black? Yeah, I mean, I'm ready. It existed before it existed before I did this show. So I uh, I think the the funny thing, speaking of to me, is when I heard Warning, I was like, man, that sounds like the same cadence as Loose by Primer Fifty Five. And like, I can't and I'm sorry that I just ruined that song for everyone, because now that I said that, if you know how loose goes, like the chorus is loose, you're not going to not hear that. <laughs> John, number one, I applaud you for being on that wavelength with me. Number two, it doesn't sound like loose. I see what you're talking about, but it doesn't. Well, loose doesn't have Jacoby Shaddix on it. It wishes so. it did. It does. Yeah. Warning is warning is an absolute. Um, what would Roach Coach call this? A pit stoker starter i'm gonna activator? let you have that one but that's the only Acti one sir activator it's dude it's new metal month i can i can i can say stuff roach coach says just for one month but uh this definitely gets the party started let's put it that way it, if i can find a copyright safe way of saying it uh <laughs> it absolutely gets the gets the party started uh in the best way possible um jacoby adds a lot to the track i know not everybody's a huge uh, jacoby fan we why haven't we done a papa roach episode I don't know. I would love to do a Papa Roach episode. Well, stay tuned. We might do a Papa Roach episode at some point. But uh, I actually really, really, really enjoy the song Doom Riff, and not just because yep. the word Doom's in it, but that is part of why I liked it. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, this one, th this one's really the whole package. Uh, the last one was shorter and more, almost more aggressive in a way. This record is a little bit more like this is going to be our big rock record. Almost designed as if it's going to be um, our mainstream breakthrough. And I'm going to say that it probably didn't. I think I still think to this day their most popular record is Babylon. Uh, but I don't know. This one's a pretty strong contender for me. I do think this is the best album to date. It has the best balance of hard rock, new metal, reggae-influenced vocals, that R&B sound that invaded pop music for so long. In some places, I don't hear the Primer 55s. I hear a slightly twisted Seven Dust, and I feel weird saying that because this band does not sound like Seven Dust, but I think sometimes the criticisms are the same. Not everybody likes what Seven Dust is doing because they just don't get it. They don't get the over-the-top groove-driven intensity with nice-sounding vocals and sometimes Morgan screaming. So when you take Skindred, who's doing the next step in this new metal pop R&B mashup sound that they have, I could see that comparison being similar. But to me, this is just their next step. I don't think it's the best album, but you're right. It's definitely we're trying to break into the mainstream if we weren't already here. Well, the thing about them being mainstream, though, is they still weren't. And they're they're. This is what's interesting about Skindred and, and is, makes them a more talented band, I think, than a lot of bands that are in this genre is that these guys are genuinely good at writing songs and getting people pumped up and creating a vibe. and But it doesn't sound commercialized at all. Like, sure, it can be commercial, but I don't think that it was necessarily written as such. I think this is just the level that they're on as far as being able to to deliver a really, really good, awesome, like, 
party rock record because like I'm not angry when I listen to Skindred and I usually a lot of bands that put off this sort of vibe try to create an angry vibe instead I'm just having fun I'm like doing I'm acting like Joe down there you know just like rocking out bobbing my head back and forth like I'm having a great time and I can only imagine that that feeling extends beyond a billion whenever you're at a live show they say cats don't dance I'm here to tell you that Dan doesn't dance, but if nobody's we'll, looking, we'll talk about cats later. He can uh, get a little sway going on. It's pretty hilarious. I, like what's funny to me is like again, like you know, the band I think is very comfortable in the sound that they've grown into over the last you know four records or so at this point. But like they still kind of keep pushing new elements in. Like you know, you look at a song like "Death to All Spies," and I feel like that kind of brings in. Granted, like I th- this came out what 2007, 2011, so like we're well beyond the emo phase at this point. But like a song like "Death Thank to All Spies," God. Like, when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, it feels like a little bit like Motion City soundtrack with like those keys and like the synths and stuff." Like in the dancey kind of beat around it, uh, reminded me a little bit of like that era of you know Motion City. But like again, like it's just. I don't know. Like, I this is just a fun one. Like, you know, gun talk. Like, like I said, you know, it's kind of getting into the tropey thing where you kind of got like your reggae or kind of dub style song and gun talk. Like at first, like when you looked at it, you're like, that's a hard ass fucking song title, (laughs) especially like after you have doom riff and whatever. But it's like, you know, you get to gun talk and then it's kind of like this, like really chill, like reggae kind of song. And you're like, oh, okay. And then they would. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they even kind of re- like the funny thing is they even reference a their own band name and be the album that they're <laughs> this album title. In I mean, the that's just verse. part of the genre. You have to do that. It's that's how it works. Um, but yeah, this is uh, I think it was kind of cool because like, you know, with them kind of basically saying in the song on Gun Talk, you know, Union Black Radio Station bringing music to the people. Dem hear this music commute. Dem hear this community. Oh, year. Like, I think it kind of speaks to the fact that these these guys are aware that their music is bringing together so many different communities within the musical community. And I think that's something that is fun. Like having seen the band live, like I definitely have seen how they are all about just making people have a good time for whatever amount of time they get to play on stage. And I feel like that's kind of the whole thing of like their albums even is like, yeah, like we could probably write, you know, a straight ahead, like this song or this song or whatever, but we want to have fun. We want you to have fun with us. Um, and I think that's kind of like the thing that's been fun about listening to this this band is, you know, in a lot of a lot of episodes we do, everything's so fucking serious. Like, you know, you look at a band like Death, like everything that band did was so fucking serious and needed to be the way it was. And behold it was the ma- flesh and the power it holds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where sometimes, you know, you need a band like this that is serious in what they do but they also have fun and they want everyone that listens to have fun. So John, I want you to look at the camera and tell Dan that sometimes you need bands that are fun. I mean, that band fun's not good, but that's a story. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. We're not talking about fun. Uh, No, I I really enjoyed this and I, and you know, spoilers, I'm just going to say it. Uh, I spent the entire week listening to another band uh, that, you know, kind of just left me cold to fun. And, um, you know, they, they really just got me down to the dump. So going to Skindred uh, after the fact, I was like, oh, OK, everything might actually be OK. I was thinking about quitting my job and living in a trailer. But now 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 I feel like I can push through because I'm going to, you know, eventually, you know, I don't want to I don't want to sit there and like not, you know, just wallow in my own in my own garbage for, you know, day in and day out until the electric company comes through and kills the power. 2014. Hey, John, when did CM Punk debut the uh, Fist logo? I'm seeing some copyright issues here. Well, 
if we're going to go that route, especially with the the red, yellow and uh, green color scheme, I think this is a completely different fist uh, that uh, is being representative of oppression and usually the uh, African-American community. And, you know, starting way back in the what was it, the 76 Olympics with the uh, the classic fist raise on the uh, podiums. Um, but yeah, no, I get it. And it's also the lightning bolt doesn't help too, because that was part of CM Punk's uh, thing as well. So I, I totally get it. But uh, that's probably going to be a reference for maybe like six people listening to the show who are like, oh, CM Punk? <laughs> I like CM Punk. Is he back? Is CM Punk chant starting? Um, we can start one if you want. Yeah, this is a uh, man. I, by the way, I just I don't feel like the guitars have been this impactful since Babylon, basically, to me. Um, the fucking bounce and like just stank on these fucking guitars like right out the gate on Kill the Power is huge um, and like kind of has I think more of that uh, new metal sound that we're used to like you know it's definitely groovy it's got a bounce but man like I, I was all about this record um, Kill the Power like I said playing with the devil um, I mean and again even like some of the bonus tracks that are like uh, I don't know if anyone listened to it but like Get Along I thought it was kind of interesting it's like a weird like I don't want to call it a ballad but it's kind of like this weird mid-tempo-y thing and like I've not really heard them do a whole song kind of at that level I, I mean I kind of can understand why it was a bonus track and not put on because it's not as strong as the rest of the record but it was interesting to get this bonus track and then kind of be like wow okay like you guys are doing a weird mid-tempo thing like not really seeing you do that not in a like reggae song like where that's like the crux of that kind of genre but like just to see them do a straight ahead like kind of mid-tempo song, I was like, wow, OK, like interesting. And again, it just kind of keeps like Skindred started. Well, actually, Skindred started like this, <laughs> but then it just keeps going like. And that's the fun thing about this band is like you don't know where they're going to keep pushing the sound and in what directions they're going to expand in. And I think that as a listener, that just keeps me coming back. And when you now have, I'll say, more modern production on on a record, it kind of makes it come across a little bit more fun because like before, like the, I felt the guitars were a little bit uh, kind of had the balls taken away from them that they had on Babylon. But this they're back and they hit. And thankfully, I don't I don't recall them ever going away from this point forward. Like the guitars sound fucking huge going forward, uh, almost like they started getting like seven and eight strings at this point. Yeah, I mean, guitar stank is real uh, on this record. <laughs> and, I, and I'm here for it because this is exactly like what I was complaining about. Uh, about some of the other albums about it sounding thin or the, it's not hitting hard enough or whatever. This record is where they just like really spent a, a good amount of time really being like, okay, what is our main demographic? It's still hard rock fans, right? So let's let's really give them those riffs that they come for and let's give them to them in, in let, let's not package them up and make them look nice. Let's just give them the, let's just give them the experience, you know? And um, I think it makes the song stronger really. And I also think that like, the anthemic choruses are bigger. Everything's bigger. This is this sounds like an arena sort of sort of production. Whereas I think before the 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 appeal of Skindred was the whole like we're gonna play a two hundred pack club, and uh, you know you're gonna get that experience of, of smelling your friend's beer vomit and you know all that stuff. Uh, whereas this you're in you're in an amphitheater. You know Skindred's playing, and then like I don't know like Skillet or somebody's coming up next. You know like it's that sort of like very big sounding thing. And um, at this point, they've been in the game for such a long time that they're able to deliver on a level that I think a lot of bands that play this style can't. And uh, yeah, this is it. 
Fight the Power is a fantastic Skindred album and probably is my favorite out of the out of the whole bunch. Um, just because it's all of the elements. It's it's what I imagined when Skindred was being pitched to me as a band I should check out. This is what I imagined it to sound like based on the description. It's not my favorite album, but I do agree it's the most complete sounding Skindred album. This puts everything together that they had at their disposal in 2014 and creates a more anthemic sounding band. When I listen to Skindred, I'm still here for the groove plus those intense over-the-top vocals. So now when we incorporate more balance, more arena sounding, more anthemic atmospheric elements, and we don't go over the top because it would have been so easy to go over the top and just go full auto-tune, but we didn't do it. We let the band still be themselves and we just added a little bit more taste to it. So I do think this is the best album. It's just not my favorite. Flavor to taste. <laughs> See what I did there? Speaking of that, uh, that speaks volumes to their next record. Um, it is, oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for, I'm ready for volume. This one, it just gets better from here on out, man. 2015. I thought based on this album cover, I was like, are you going to get like just a disgustingly metal skindred? Cause like, you see something like, I mean, we kind of did get that. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's, it's just like when you like, just looking at the album cover, I was like, all right, like the fuck we got going on here. <laughs> I thought it was, I literally thought there was going to be like a little rise records uh, logo at the bottom of it. Oh, for sure. This looks like, I mean, no offense <laughs> to them, but like, this looks like some of the stuff you see on like rise, like, you know, TGI, like logo looking emblem thing there. I think this is like, again like adding newer elements to shit like you look at this like the title track volume kind of almost has like that like classic rock kind of stoner sound to it like the guitars like kind of a little bit fuzzier thicker kind of sound that you've not really heard them do it up until this point um i feel like there's a weird this feels like a like and I, and the only thing i can come up with is nostalgia tinge this feels like a record that we've heard but like i've never heard before like it has all these classic elements of stuff I've been listening to for you know decades, but it feels fresh and unique through their prism of what they do. And it's lack of a better term. It's fun. It's it's a it's another evolution of the band's sound going forward. And I don't know, like, again, like, I love the fact that, like, I don't know if this is because, like, because this one came out, I think, on Napalm Records, I believe. So it's like one of those where it was like, oh, like, and I don't know if we've really ever talked about this, like where sometimes you go onto a label and then maybe you're like, oh, we have to sound like this now because we're on this fucking label, like this, you know, metal. Not Skindred. No, <laughs> they're, they're OK with looking like it, but but sounding like it. No, not so much. I just want to pogo for the rest of this album. Can I do the whole show with a headset and just be bobbing up and down? It just makes me wonder, like, how are they able to be this much of a hit factory and not be able to be bigger? I guess that's, you know, and I, I know we. I know I sometimes get stuck on this with certain with certain bands, certain episodes, but like I can't find anything wrong with Skindred at all, like at all. And they they consistently put out high quality records like Volume. I mean, usually when we're this usually when we're this many records into a discography, it starts to get old. It starts to get like, come on, man, Cattle like the cap. Yeah, no, well, Cattle no, I'm the saying, cap. Like, they're like yeah. the same in this situation where it's like, yo. You're getting better as you go. Yeah. I wouldn't say they have that much growth, but that's also because, like, 
You look, you look at cattle decap. Yeah, we're comparing cattle decapitation to Skindred. <laughs> Find that on another podcast. I, pr- I, I, I beg you. For fans of cattle decap or Skindred, if we were a podcast that had a sticker thing on our. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you like cephalic carnage and seven dust? Uh, but uh, yes. I think that I think that uh, the big difference here, though, is that like this would be like. This would be like if uh, Cattle Decapitation put out Death Atlas as their first record and only got better as they went. Uh, whereas with Skindred, you know, you've got a record like Babylon, which already has all of the key elements to what would make this band great in it. Uh, and so this many records in, usually what happens with a band like this is that they will smooth out to they will smooth out to the point of not being even recognizable anymore. Uh, look at Linkin Park, you know, like having losing kind of what those elements were that made them special or feeling the constant need to redefine this is a this is a, an example of a band that doesn't actually have to redefine anything however they do still continue to add elements into their sound um, there's definitely a lot more like dub electronic stuff going on here uh, and I'm here for it yeah turntail I mean it's it's all there and the choruses are there you have a singer that can actually sing which you know on this show is kind of a rarity um you know, and so yeah, I mean, just powerhouse vocalists, super heavy riffs, and but then I'm looking at I'm looking at the Spotify stats for this record, and it's not that that's how you judge music, really, but um, they only had one song which was under attack that broke a million plays on Spotify, and I can't figure out like why that is when a record is when a record sounds this good. I could hand this to anybody, like if I was in high school right now, let's say it was 2003, I could hand this record to anybody and then be like, oh my god, this is the greatest band I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, 100%. There's a machine right outside our classroom. Except a couple years later, they replaced those machines with milk machines. But thankfully, I was uh, thankfully I was graduated by then. So give me that high fructose corn syrup. Milk from a machine. (laughs) At $2.39 a chug, John. Hey, do you guys remember those when they tried putting milk in bags? That actually makes sense to me. Do you not remember that? Like when you would get like the little like. I don't remember that. Like like almost like a beanbag size thing of milk. It's less waste. Sorry for the uh, sidetrack there, but that's interesting. I'm going to have to like... Now now you're going to make me have to type bag of milk into Google. I'm, <laughs> oh, fucking nah. bags of sand. What the fuck? <laughs> I'll be like, guys, guys, I got to go. I'm going to be gone for the rest of the day. Gone until um, December? Gone wow. November. Okay. So, yeah, this... As good as volume is, like, as a record, I think this is the point in the band's discography where they're like, all right, guys... I think we need to switch it up. I think we need I think we need to go in a different direction. Not because what they were doing wasn't working. I think they were just genuinely tired of doing the same thing that they'd been doing for six records. And so whenever we move on to their next record, there are definitely some things, some tings uh, that they change up for us. I really want to make Dan say this one. 2018. Big tings. Anyone an Action Bronson fan? All right, this, you know, this isn't, this cover artwork's not doing it justice, okay? This is, no, here, no, for the rest of the episode, this is where we live. <laughs> right here, okay? Uh, this is where we live. I was expecting bags of milk. I mean, <laughs> this is, this is just, oh, I love this record just because of the cover artwork. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm loving Rob Halford, kitty cat with sunglasses. Um... This record is Skindred basically being like, all right, guys, we're going to have a party now. And even though it's got all the elements that you would expect from a from a Skindred record, 
They've never wrote a song quite as awesome as That's My Jam. <laughs> uh, it's big. It's anthemic. It's a little bit more low key. It's a little bit less metal overall, uh, a little bit less hard rock, but I'm kind of here for it. I, I like that they have fully embraced the arena. They are ready to come and destroy the stage of your local uh, of your local band showcase of your not local band showcase, but like, you know, your, your festival. You know, yeah, they're not going to be in big letters at the top, but like when you go and see, you know, whatever festivals allowed, uh, they're going to play and everybody's be like, holy crap, who's that band and why are they not headlining? That's what big thing. That's what big things is. I think the hard part for me uh, when listening to this record, because at this point, Don Broco exists in my world. Um, I, I where before I we consistently have been lauding the band for just kind of doing what they do. For once, this feels like someone was like, hey, you guys checked out Don Broco? Like, they kind of do like what you do, where they just mash a bunch of shit together, and it, and it sounds really good. And then they're like, oh, we can kind of go more more pop, like actual pop-leaning in sound and approach. And a song like That's My Jam actually kind of feels like the first time I remember hearing Finger Eleven do Paralyzer, and I was like, the fuck happened to Finger Eleven? Like, this isn't the band I remember. Like, they, they went full pop, basically. And as Dan says, that's when you like when you see him at festivals or when you see him in front of the thousands and thousands of people and you play something like this, it's going to get everyone fucking moving to where you're like, I don't know this band, but yeah, all right, I'm down for this. And as soon as that giant cat banner, (laughs) you know, gets propped up on stage, you know who they mean business. And then MC MC uh, Scat Cat or whatever the fuck from uh, that Paula Abdul video will start coming out and dancing with Benji. <laughs> I mean, maybe anything's possible. But yeah, you know, this is a really good example too of like, hey guys, we're gonna go full pop, and it working. Unlike but they Lincoln didn't. Park. Do, unlike Lincoln Park, this is this is the exact opposite of that. Of like, this is what happens when Skindred goes full pop. And I feel like whereas it's more with of- Lincoln Park, it was like this is this is what happens when you take full pop and you add some people that are in Lincoln Park to it. Well, I feel like the thing is, it's it, it is full pop basically on this. But I think the what they did was so like Dan in in the Lincoln Park episode kept saying like it's basically a a, a candy outer with kind of like a more bitter inside or whatever. And he kept saying you know they kind of put the candy sheen on it. This to me is fully realizing that where it's like we're putting the pop production on what you do. You're not changing your sound. You're not changing necessarily anything you would do, but we're putting this pop coating over it. And I think it's one of the few examples where I've seen that happen. And you don't go like, oh, you fucking sellouts. Like, you know, laying back in my, <laughs> in my Reebok outfit like Garth going like, it's just sad. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things to me where like when I see that happening on this album, <laughs> that it. Uh, <laughs> hey, John, um, if yeah. you're going to spew, spew in this. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, th- this is, you know, the pop production totally working for them and, and they don't, they're not lessening what they do. And that's that's the interesting thing about this record. And when I got to it, I was like, they went full pop on it, but like it works. It enhances everything that the band has been doing, but it brings out like, if you didn't know how great the choruses were, the music, the musicality and the hooks that the music's been having throughout all these records, this is the one where if you hadn't noticed that you you definitely will and you're gonna be like holy shit like okay what has me interested now and i don't want to like get too far ahead because i think they do have a newer record coming out soonish um 
is if how can you take this now with the, the pop production basically over what they do? How can you take it and expand on it? Do you do they go kind of a bring me where you can kind of really now start going all over and kind of playing with your production template and maybe curating an album where it's like now you have different production on every album or every song and making it sound, you know, like, oh, here's our, our fucking hard rock song that we can do, or here's our reggae song, or here's this, but now it just sounds fucking massive because we got a budget, and we also have the tenure of being a band that's been around for fucking two decades at this point and toured the world and gained an international fan base. This, to me, screams, let's try to get you into the American market, and let's try to push you there because you're not as big and successful as you are everywhere else. Because unfortunately, Americans, our ears need the candy coating. You know, we need that Trojan yeah. horse to, to be sugar fed, basically something before we go. Oh, OK, because the average listener is going to hear something like Skindred and be like, oh, it's just it's too all over the place. I, I, I need it to be in this one fucking box and not deviate. And that's been my and I think for both of you will probably agree. That's been the one great thing about being into international bands is like you see the them not being incumbent. That's not the right word to use. Not being uh, tied down basically to a style or genre because they they don't care about those things internationally as much as we do here in, in the States. That was one time, John, you wanted to say encumbered. No, I was thinking incumbent. Incumbent, incumbent. yeah, that's yeah. A, that's what I heard, yeah. Yeah, and I was trying to say it, but I didn't come out correctly, so I was like, nope, scrap that. And that's okay sometimes. I see that what you're totally saying, fine. John, but I really don't want Skindred to do the American popular thing. The albums up to this point have been focused, and I know we are currently in a culture of music where I can listen to any song that I want, but I don't want to listen to every song. I want the album to make sense. And I do think if Skindred is going to go full pop, whether it's their choice or someone else's choice to break them into another market, just stop making records at that point, guys. I've really gotten to a point where I'm tired of hearing albums that are so scattered that why do we even have albums? Let's go back to the original music and just put out singles. That's what we've been working towards this whole That's time, right? what a lot right? of people do. what a lot of people do. Just put out one or two songs at a time and release them every few months just bit by bit it's not an it's not an unintelligent way to re release music it's really not and then dan can buy more seven inches and i can buy all the seven inches you got absolutely so i mean that's that's skindred that's uh you know that that's the journey that we took this week and uh it's one that i'm glad that i took because the band was fun they were positive are fun are positive rather speaking of them in past time i'm so used to talking about bands that are broken up uh but it's it's interesting uh, to see a band like this not be more successful, at least over here in the States. I, I can't speak for international sales. Uh, but again, like I said, you get this band on a, on a um, get them on a big festival here in the U.S. and uh, they're going to turn some heads. Final thoughts on Skindred. John. Um, just a really fun, eclectic band that's got enough of a grab bag of tricks in their arsenal that will keep you interested all the way through. Um, I don't think there's a bad record in the in the mix. Um, like Dan said, I, I do think it kind of gets better as it goes. So like, and that's how it should go. That's how the progression of a band should go. You should get better as you go. Um, but I think you know, largely, unless the international fan base of this show is like, yes, Kindred, 
We've been talking about them and championing them for decades. Now you guys are fucking finally listening to us. I think this is going to be one where I have a feeling a lot of the people listening to the show are going to be like, oh, I, I don't really know. I've heard of them, don't really know anything about them. And probably based on our glowing reviews of the whole discography, hopefully we'll go and check it, check it out and find a new favorite band. And I, like I said, I think a new record's actually getting ready to come out soon. Um, we'll be on Patreon with that. And at that point, if touring does come back, um, that maybe... We can be kind of the groundswell of people going to see Skindred when they come back to the States and being a good U.S. touring band so we can see them more. It's a lot of fun. The show is the live show is a lot of fun. Benji is a very great front man. Damn. What about you? Well, you know, I think I more or less said it. This band needs to be in front of a lot more ears because they do a lot of things right that we constantly criticize bands of their ilk for doing wrong. And uh, they've got a really consistent discography. If it, this is one of those unique cases that if you like one record, you're going to like pretty much all of them. You like one song, you're probably going to like every song on the record. If they can hook you with just 30 seconds of audio, you're, you're good to go. Skindred does not fail. At any point in the discography, they are interesting to listen to. You can step on at any point. There are some high points, in my opinion, especially the more new metal sounding songs. But the overall groove and the overall feeling of the band does not change. Stick with them. I think this band has the ability to break a little bit harder, but I'm worried that we're going to flip into the pop-influenced rock that we have too much of. I've heard the reggae and the new metal in such combination that... I just want this band to have that niche. I want them to stick with that thing that I haven't heard anybody else do as well as they have. But you're not going to have a bad time listening to this band. So listen to Skindred. You're really going to enjoy it. And if you're like us, it's going to be a change of pace that you were not expecting. And I think that that's important sometimes, especially when the band is as fun as this one can be. Damn, what's your album of the week? Uh, I've really been enjoying uh, the Clouds mixtape by NF this week. John, what about you? Going with an old classic, Color Morale, No Hope. Well, that is a good record. Really good. This is the first uh, record Josh Schroeder did that I heard where I was like, oh, I actually, you're working with bands I like now. There you go. <laughs> Instead of Rise Records, shout out. Yeah. For me, it's Injustice for All by Metallica. $5 on Amazon, picked up the remastered version of that album. Still no bass, huh? Does it sound better? No, it sounds exactly the same. I'm still running it through a sweet amplifier, and it still sounds like Injustice for All. So still no bass? The bass is there. It's just turned down so low it's inaudible to most people. I was thinking about that problem recently. Everybody says Metallica should go back and turn the bass up. I don't think anybody's realized that Jason Newstead didn't have a good bass tone until Bob Rock got involved. I can't confirm nor deny because I can't hear it. Hot takes. Take us out, DFT. If you like this podcast and you're listening or watching via the various avenues that uh, you can you can enjoy the show, uh, if you ever want to reach out to us or talk to us or give us band suggestions, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. We have a Facebook group set up for the podcast uh, where you can chat about your favorite episodes or just whatever you're listening to or share memes. We're really, really, really into memes. And, uh, you know, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can reach out to us on our Discord server. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes for this episode that will take you to our Discord server uh, where you can join uh, us as well as fans of the show pretty much 24-7. Uh, we're, we're almost always there in some capacity. So if you want to chat and reach out, definitely do so. If you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, there's going to be a link in the show notes that will take you to our Teespring store where you can get a variety of different items, including cell phone cases for Android and uh, iPhone. Uh, and t-shirts and socks and anything else creative that I can throw our logo on and sell to you to wear on your body or your accessories. So with all that being said, thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast and uh, we will catch you guys next time. And on that note, this has been episode 222 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Bags of milk not included. 